Chapter 6, verses 1 through 16. Of Catina Aria, Gospel of St. Mark, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Theophylact, after the miracles which have been related, the Lord returns to his own country. Not that he was ignorant that they would despise him, but that they might have no reason to say, If thou hadst come, we had believed thee. Wherefore it is said, And he went out from thence, and came into his own country. Bede, he means by his country Nazareth, in which he was brought up. But how great the blindness of the Nazarenes! They despise him, who by his words and deeds they might know to be the Christ, solely on account of his kindred. It goes on, And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? By wisdom is meant his doctrine, by powers the cures and miracles which he did. It goes on, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? Augustine, Matthew indeed says that he was called the son of a carpenter. Nor are we to wonder, since both might have said, for they believed him to be the carpenter, because he was the son of a carpenter. Pseudo-Jerome, Jesus is called the son of a workman, of that one, however, whose work was the morning and the sun, that is, the first and second church, as a figure of which the woman and the damsel are healed. Bede, for although human things are not to be compared with divine, still the type is complete, because the Father of Christ works by fire and spirit. It goes on, the brother of James and Joseph, of Jude and of Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? They bear witness that his sisters and brothers were with him, who nevertheless are not to be taken for the sons of Joseph or of Mary, as heretics say, but rather as is usual in Scripture. We must understand them to be his relations, as Abraham and Lot are called brothers, though Lot was brother's son to Abraham, and they were offended at him. The stumbling and error of the Jews is our salvation and the condemnation of heretics. For so much did they despise the Lord Jesus Christ as to call him a carpenter, and the son of a carpenter. It goes on, and Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country. Even Moses bears witness that the Lord is called a prophet in the scriptures. For predicting his future incarnation to the sons of Israel, he says, 
a prophet shall the Lord raise up unto you of your brethren. But not only he himself who is Lord of prophets, but also Elias, Jeremiah, and the remaining lesser prophets, were worse received in their own country than in strange cities. For it is almost natural for men to envy their fellow townsmen, for they do not consider the present works of the man, but they remember the weakness of his infancy. Pseudo-Jerome Oftentimes also the origin of a man brings him contempt. As it is written, Who is the son of Jesse? For the Lord hath respect unto the lowly, as to the proud. He beholdeth them afar off. Theophylact. Or again, if the prophet has noble relations, his countrymen hate them, and on that account do not honor the prophet. There follows, and he could there do no mighty work, etc., what, however, is here expressed by he could not, we must take to mean he did not choose, because it was not that he was weak, but that they were faithless. He does not therefore work any miracles there, for he spared them, lest they should be worthy of greater blame, if they believe not, even with miracles before their eyes. Or else, for the working of miracles, not only the power of the worker is necessary, but the faith of the recipient which was wanting in this case. Therefore, Jesus did not choose to work many signs there. There follows, and he marveled at their unbelief. Bede, not as if he who knows all things before they are done wonders at what he did not expect or look forward to, but knowing the hidden things of the heart and wishing to intimate to men that it was wonderful, he openly shows that he wonders. And indeed the blindness of the Jews is wonderful, for they neither believed what their prophets said of Christ, nor would their own persons believe on Christ, who was born amongst them. Mystically again, Christ is despised in his own house and country, that is, amongst the people of the Jews, and therefore he worked few miracles there, lest they should become altogether inexcusable. But he performs greater miracles every day amongst the Gentiles, not so much in the healing of their bodies as in the salvation of their souls. Verses 6 through 13. And he went round about the villages teaching, and he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth two by two, and give them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, nor bread, no money in their purse but be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into a house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment, than for that city. And they went out, and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils, and anointed with oil many that were sick, and healed them. Theophylact, the Lord not only preached in the cities, but also in villages, that we may learn not to despise little things, nor always to seek for great cities, but to sow the word of the Lord in abandoned and lowly villages. Wherefore it is said, that he went round about the villages, teaching. Bede. Now our kind and merciful Lord and Master did not grudge his servants, 
and their disciples his own virtues and as he himself had healed every sickness and every infirmity so also he gave the same power to his disciples wherefore it goes on and he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and give them power over unclean spirits great is the difference between giving and receiving whatsoever he does is done in his own power as lord as if they do anything they confess their own weakness in the power of the lord saying in the name of jesus arise and walk theophylact again he sends the apostles two and two that they might become more active for as says the preacher two are better than one but if he had sent more than two there would not have been sufficient number to allow of their being sent to many villages gregory further the lord sent the disciples to preach two and two because there are two precepts of charity namely the love of god and of our neighbor and charity cannot be less than two by this therefore he implies to us that he who has not charity towards his neighbor ought in no way to take upon himself the office of preaching there follows and he commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey save a staff only no scrip nor bread no money in their purse but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats bead for such should be the preacher's trust in god that though he takes no thought for supplying his own wants in this present world yet he should feel most certain that these will not be left unsatisfied lest while his mind is taken up with temporal things he should provide less of eternal things to others pseudo chrysostom the lord also gives them this command that they might show by their mode of life how far removed they were from the desire of riches theophylact instructing them also by this means not to be fond of receiving gifts in order too that those who saw them proclaim poverty might reconcile to it when they saw that the apostles themselves possessed nothing augustine or else according to matthew the lord immediately subjoined the workman is worthy of his meat which sufficiently proves why he forbade their carrying or possessing such things not because they were not necessary but because he sent them in such a way as to show that they were due to them from the faithful to whom they preached the gospel from this it is evident that the lord did not mean by this precept that the evangelists ought to live only on the gifts of those to whom they preached the gospel else the apostle transgressed this precept when he procured his livelihood by the labor of his own hands but he meant that he had given them power in virtue of which they might be assured these things were due to them it is also often asked how it comes that matthew and luke have related that the lord commanded his disciples not to carry even a staff whilst mark says and he commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey save a staff only which question is solved by supposing that the word staff has a meaning in mark who says that it ought to be carried different from that which it bears in matthew and luke who affirm the contrary for in a concise way one might say take none of the necessaries of life with you nay not a staff save a staff only so that the saying nay not a staff may mean nay not the smallest thing 
but that which is added, save a staff only, may mean that, through the power received by them from the Lord, of which a rod is the ensign, nothing, even of those things which they do not carry, will be wanting to them. The Lord therefore said both, but because one evangelist has not given both, men suppose that he who has said that the staff, in one sense, should be taken, is contrary to him who again has declared that in another sense it should be left behind. Now, however, that a reason has been given, let no one think so. So also, when Matthew declares that shoes are not to be worn on the journey, he forbids anxiety about them. For the reason why men are anxious about carrying them is that they may not be without them. This is also to be understood of the two coats, that no man should be troubled about having only that with which he is clad, from anxiety lest he should need another, when he could always obtain one from the power given by the Lord. In like manner Mark, by saying that they are to be shod with sandals or soles, warns us that this mode of protecting the feet has a mystical signification, that the foot should neither be covered above nor be naked on the ground, that is, that the gospel should neither be hid nor rest upon earthly comforts, and in that he forbids their possessing or taking with them, or more expressly their wearing, two coats, he bids them walk simply, not with duplicity, but whosoever thinks that the Lord could not in the same discourse say some things figuratively, other things in a literal sense, let him look into his other discourses, and he shall see how rash and ignorant is his judgment. Bede. Again, by the two tunics he seems to me to mean two sets of clothes. Not that in places like Scythia, covered with ice and snow, a man should be content with only one garment, but a coat. I think a suit of clothing is implied, that being clad with one, we should not keep another through anxiety as to what may happen. Pseudo-Chrysostom, or else Matthew and Luke neither allow shoes nor staff, which is meant to point out the highest perfection. But Mark bids them take a staff and be shod with sandals, which is spoken by permission. Bede, again allegorically under the figure of a script, is pointed out the burdens of this world. By bread is meant temporal delights, by money in the purse, the hiding of wisdom, because he who receives the office of a doctor should neither be weighed down by the burden of worldly affairs, nor be made soft by carnal desires, nor hide the talent of the word committed to him under the ease of an inactive body. It goes on, and he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into a house, there abide till ye depart from that place where he gives a general precept of constancy, that they should look to what is due to the tie of hospitality, adding that it is inconsistent with the preaching of the kingdom of heaven to run about from house to house. Theophylact, that is, lest they should be accused of gluttony in passing from one to the other. It goes on, and whoever shall not receive you, etc. This the Lord commanded them, that they might show that they had walked a long way for their sakes and to no purpose, or because they received nothing from them, not even dust, which they shake off, that it might be a testimony against them, that is, by way of convicting them. Pseudo-Chrysostom, or else that it might be a witness of the toil of the way, 
which they sustained for them, or as if the dust of the sins of the preachers was turned against themselves. It goes on, and they went and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many devils, and anointed with oil many that were sick, and healed them. Mark alone mentions their anointing with oil. James, however, in his canonical epistle, says a thing similar, for oil both refreshes our labors and gives us light and joy. But again, oil signifies the mercy of the unction of God, the healing of infirmity, and the enlightening of the heart, the whole of which is worked by prayer. Theophylact. It also means the grace of the Holy Ghost, by which we are eased from our labors and receive light and spiritual joy. Bede. Wherefore it is evident from the apostles themselves that it is an ancient custom of the Holy Church that persons possessed or afflicted with any disease whatsoever should be anointed with oil consecrated by priestly blessing. Verses 14 through 16. And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias, and others said that it is a prophet or as one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. Gloss. After the preaching of the disciples of Christ and the working of miracles, the evangelist fitly subjoins an account of the report, which arose amongst the people. Wherefore he says, And King Herod heard of him. So Chrysostom. This Herod is the son of the first Herod, under whom Joseph had led Jesus into Egypt. But Matthew calls him Tetrarch, and Luke mentions him as ruling over one-fourth of his father's kingdom. For the Romans, after the death of his father, divided his kingdom into four parts. But Mark calls him a king, either after the title of his father, or because it was consonant to his own wish. Pseudo-Jerome. It goes on, for his name was spread abroad, for it was not right that a candle should be placed under a bushel. And they said, that is, some of the multitude, that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show themselves forth in him. Bede. Here we are taught how great was the envy of the Jews, for lo, they believed that John, of whom it was said that he did no miracle, could rise from the dead, and that without the witness of any one. But Jesus approved of God by miracles and signs, whose resurrection angels and apostles, men and women, preached, they chose to believe was carried away by stealth, rather than suppose that he had risen again. And these men, in saying that John was risen from the dead, and that therefore mighty works were wrought in him, had just thoughts of the power of the resurrection. For men, when they shall have risen from the dead, shall have much greater power than they possessed when still weighed down by the weakness of the flesh. There follows... But others said that it is Elias, Theophylact, for John confuted many men when he said, Ye generation of vipers. It goes on, but others said that it is a prophet, or as one of the prophets. Pseudo-Chrysostom. It seems to me that this prophet means that one of whom Moses said, God will raise up a prophet unto thee of thy brethren. They were right indeed, but because they feared to say openly, This is the Christ, they used the voice of Moses, veiling their own surmise through the fear of their rulers. There follows, but when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. Herod expressly says this in irony, 
Theophylact, or else Herod, knowing that he, without a cause, had slain John, who was a just man, thought that he had risen from the dead, and had received through his resurrection the power of working miracles. Augustine, but in these words Luke bears witness to Mark, to this point at least, that others and not Herod said that John had risen. But Luke had represented Herod as hesitating, and has put down his words as if he said, John have I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? We must suppose that after this hesitation he had confirmed in his own mind what others had said, for he says to his children, as Matthew relates, This is John the Baptist, he has risen from the dead. Or else these words are to be spoken as to indicate that he is still hesitating, particularly as Mark, who had said above, that others had declared that John had risen from the dead. Afterwards, however, is not silent as to Herod's plainly saying, It is John whom I beheaded, he is risen from the dead. Which words also may be spoken in two ways. Either they may be understood as those of a man affirming or doubting. End of chapter 6, verses 1 through 16.